Lord, we want to thank you and praise you. What a joy it is to be in your house, to worship you. Lord, we do lift your name higher and higher and higher. But your name is already up there. But we lift it in our lives. In other words, we place you, Lord, at the ruler of our lives. We place you as number one in our lives. There is no name in our life that is higher than your name. Not our spouses or our children or our work or ourselves or anything else. Your name is the highest name in our lives. And Lord, when we, when we take that down and we put something else there, forgive us and remove it. Remove it from our lives. Lord, we proclaim today, it's not what we want. And sometimes we're guilty of putting other things in that place. Lord, when we do that, we ask you, just tear it down. Tear it down like that temple curtain was torn into. So that your name remains the highest name in our lives. And Lord, we seek to serve you with everything that we are. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We thank you for your forgiveness that is so freely given every time we mess up. Lord, you, you're just so generous in your forgiveness to us. You don't criticize us. You don't pull us down. You don't remind us consistently of what we've done wrong. You lift us up as we continue to place you as number one. Lord, speak to us now as we look into your word. Holy Spirit of God, Shekinah glory, come. Come and fill your, your place here, your home here. Fill us. And speak into the core of our lives that we may be transformed to serve you with greater purpose, with greater clarity, with greater strength, with greater power, with greater commitment, with greater perseverance. Lord, speak today as we open our thoughts, our hearts, our minds to you. For we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you, worship team. Fantastic job. Let's give them a round of applause. Whoa. Awesome. You know why we were worshiping? I'm not going to speak on this, but I just want to share with you. I was reading in my, uh, my own devotional time the other day from Acts of the Apostles, chapter 4. And uh, right at the beginning of Acts, you know, the, 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 the Holy Spirit comes on the disciples. They're transformed and they go out and, and the church is born. But then what happens is Peter and John, they're, they're there and they get uh, taken into prison. And they're told not to go and uh, speak any longer. And while they're in prison, the disciples, the rest of the followers are, uh, are praying. And you, you remember the story that Peter and John are miraculously led out of prison. And they come to the disciples that are praying. And it tells us what they were praying for. And it just really spoke to me the other day. Because, you know, when the Spirit came, there's a, it was like just an, an incredible transformation in these individuals' lives. They automatically had power. They had boldness. They, they went out and they spoke and they performed many, many miracles. But look at what they pray for in, uh, in chapter 4. It says this, their prayer, um, let me uh, read it. It says, Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power 
and will decide it beforehand should happen. Now listen to this, verse 29, chapter 4. It says, Now, Lord, consider their threats. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They prayed, and after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And it it just struck me as I read that as to why would they be praying for more boldness and more miraculous power of the Spirit, because they already received it. But it was like they constantly wanted more, what we were singing today. We want more. You know, and I thought to myself, I wonder how often I continue to pray for boldness and for the miraculous power of God to be able to use me in other people's lives. You know, and I tell you the truth, I don't often pray for that. I mean, I kind of realize that I, God has already given me that power. But here you have the disciples continually praying for it, even after Pentecost. And it struck me that we need to do the same. When we sing, we want more. What are we asking for? We're asking for more boldness of God to speak to our friends and our neighbors and everybody else. We're asking for more of the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit to work in me, in you, so that we can go and perform miraculous signs and wonders around us. That's what we're really asking for. Maybe at the end we'll we'll sing that again. And when we sing it again, when we sing, we want more. Recognize, say, Lord, I want more boldness from you. And I want more of that miraculous power flowing through me. So that you may use me, speak into my life, when you want me to lay hands on someone and see someone healed. Lay hands on someone and see someone transformed. Lay hands on someone and see your power at work in their lives. We'll sing that at the end. Anyway, that's not the word today. That's the first word. The unprepared one, except prepared by God. We've been talking about going deeper and we're, we're looking at how we do that in our relationship with God. Oh, helps if I turn this on. Right. No, it doesn't. Firstly, love has got to be the motivation. Want to go deeper in our relationship? It all comes from loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, strength, might, so on. Second thing is we have to remove the sin that holds us back. Hebrews. Next one, Brian, please. There we go. The sin and all the things that hinder us, we have to remove them out of our lives, otherwise we're not going to go deeper with God. Because there are things that hold us back so much, and we need to be conscious of that and remove them out of our lives. Say, Lord, get rid of them. As I just prayed, Lord, if you're not number one, remove whatever is number one in my life. I give you permission, I want it out of there. I don't want anything but you to be number one in my life. Then what we need to do is the next thing. We recognize that he's given us everything we need to go deeper. So we don't have to ask for the things he's already gifted to us. We say, Lord, I, please give me this, please give me this. No, because he's already given it to me. Lord, please get me, allow me to access what you've already given to me. That's how much he loves us. He's already set it aside. Lord, Enable me to access all the things that you've given to me, all that you've already laid aside for me. How do we do that? We do that through the promises of God, through these great and very precious promises. But promises without relationship are nothing. 
They're just merely promises. God wants that relationship, that intimacy with you and me. And we've been looking at how we develop that intimacy, how we go deeper with God. And he carries on in the next one. First, add to your faith, goodness. And then to goodness, knowledge. Knowledge, goodness is faith being worked out, actually demonstrating faith. Faith without works is dead. You've got to put your faith into action. That's goodness. Knowledge is looking at the world through God's perspective. Seeing things the way God sees things. Looking at people the way God looks at people. Looking at situations the way God sees situations. Then from knowledge we add, do you remember? What's the next one, Brian? Self-control. Self-control has two parts to it. What is it? Do you remember? The self-control is... First, it stops us doing the wrong thing. Secondly, it encourages us to do the right thing. Right? It forms natural boundary lines so that we move in a healthy and a growing way. That's what parents do for their children. They, they impose limits, if you like, on their children. Why? So that those children can grow in a healthy relationship, can grow healthily. Don't put your finger in fire because... Burns. Every child does it. But, you know, that self-control helps us to grow in doing the right things as well as stops us doing the wrong things. Then from self-control we have perseverance. Perseverance is the ability to thrive in a harsh environment. Not just get through something, but to actually, within that challenge that we face, we're actually like a beautiful flower in the desert. People should be able to see us persevering and say, whoa, there is something unique about you. There is something beautiful about the way that you're going through that challenge. That's perseverance. We add to perseverance, godliness. Godliness is having the same heart, the same attitudes, the same desires as God. We love what God loves. We hate, no, care as God cares. Hate what God hates. And we do as God does. Philly love. Philia kind of love. What was that? Cheese. It's having deep bonds of friendship. So we add to that love. And then the last one in the list. We add to love what? Love. More love. But a different kind of love. Self-control, perseverance to perseverance, godliness and to godliness, mutual affection, which was filial love, and to filial love, agape love. Now, what is love? What is agape love? What is it? How would you describe love? It's unconditional. Should be. What else? Feelings. Feelings, emotions. What else? Understanding. Understanding of the other person. It's positive. Puts others above yourself. Okay. Anything else? Being, being helpful, to other helpful to other people. Let's have a look. 
Remember, uh, next screen, Brian. Four kinds of love in the Bible. First kind is eros. What's that? That's like, I love you so much. <laughs> you know, your, your lips are like roses. Your eyes are like, I can do this because my wife's not here, right? Uh, you know, that, that's, that's eros. That's romance, right? That's what it is. You enjoyed that, didn't you? Yes. That's why I did it for you, because if I did it to someone else, they'd be like, get away from me. Like, Thank you. Eros is romance, okay? Sexual kind of love. That's what eros is. The next one, storge. That's kind of family love. You love your family because they're family, right? I mean, you might not get on with them, but you still love them. You have to love them because they're your family. You know, you, you couldn't choose them. They're there. They were there before you were born. But there's a kind of a bond that comes with family. You get together. I went to a family funeral this last week. All the family were there because there's that bond together that we came from all over the country to pay respects at the funeral. And then people get on with one another afterwards. There's that kind of love that you have and friendship. That's, that's uh, family love. Next one was what we looked at last week. Cream cheese kind of love. Philadelphia, right? City of brotherly love. That's why it's called Philadelphia. Bonds and then agape is sacrificial love of God. But what really does that mean? What is the sacrificial love of God? Because that's what we've got to add as the final ingredient. You know the best place to look in the Bible to describe the sacrificial love of God? Two places. One that you will know. Jason? Chapter chapter 13. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 13 that's almost universally said at every wedding service. The other place to look is in Romans, where we're going to look, is Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 16. Because that describes for us what this agape kind of love should be like. If you've got your own Bibles here, you might want to do what I've done, which is just write down 1 to, 1 to 12 against these different characteristics. Because there are 12 characteristics in, one, in Romans 12. Let's look at them really quickly. We're not going to spend long on each one. Firstly, it says, love must be sincere. This is agape kind of love. Agape love must be sincere. What does sincere mean? Really, it means, in the words of Donald Trump, without faking. Right? The problem is today that you can't trust anything, can you? You see a picture of someone on, online. You're like going, has that been photoshopped? How come David's suddenly got hair? That doesn't look like him, you know? And you know, you, you can't trust things. You just look at things. Mr. Trump's always talking about fake news. You know, if he doesn't like something, oh, it's just fake news. Don't like that. You can't tell today really what sincerity is in our world. It's one of the things that's being eroded. When you read the news, when you see the news, you think, is this the whole story or is this just part of the story? 
There was a, uh, and I, I didn't really read the whole story, but there was a big thing recently about um, a foster carer, wasn't there? With a Muslim family that suddenly had a, a, a young Christian girl. And then I read something else that said, like, the news had just blown this out of all proportion and only given part of the story, and it wasn't the whole story anyway. And they then went on to explain the whole story of what was going on. But there was this big thing about how can a, a Christian young person be fostered by Muslim uh, foster carers and so on. You just don't know, do you, whether this is the whole story or something else is going on. But love must be different. It's like, why, why do we use things like TripAdvisor? You know, because I, I was looking about booking a hotel room somewhere the other day. And so you look online and you see the hotel room and, and everything it says about the hotel is fantastic, isn't it? This hotel is five-star hotel, right? It's got this, it's got that, it's got the other. And then you go on TripAdvisor and you see some people's comments and go, don't ever stay in this hotel. The people, you know, the service is rubbish. They were still building the annex when we were there. It was like being on a building site. But if you look at a website at the hotel, it's perfect. But then you have to dig deeper. Love shouldn't be like that. Love has to be sincere. It should be different. When you love someone, it should just be open and genuine. Not with agendas, not with any hidden motivation. You love just because you love. Love must be sincere. That's the first one. Second one. Oh no, keep, going. keep back, Brian, please. Second one, hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. The second thing we need to do is love should be magnetic. Look at it. You know when you get two magnets together, if you get the wrong poles, what happens? They go apart. If you get the opposites, they attract. I learned something in physics while I was in school. Right? You get the magnet and you flip it that way and then bing, like this. That's what it says our love should be. Hate what is evil, but love what is good. Cling to what is good. Love should be magnetic. Our love, we shouldn't have to think, should I have to hate this or, or love this? Our love should compel us to know what is good for us and what is not good for us. It discerns the difference and it's attracted to the good and it's repulsed by the evil. When you have, if you have in your life temptations towards something you know is not good for you, that's a love problem. You're not loving God as you should love him. Because if you love him, if you have the love of Jesus Christ deep within you, then you'll automatically be repulsed by the negative and attracted to the positive. Think about that. The next one says, honor one another above yourselves. I think somebody says what it was. Sorry, before that. Be devoted to one another in love. Do you know what that one is? That's Philadelphia. It's really what it says in the Greek. Be devoted to one another in love. That's philia kind of love. It's what we talked about last week. It's what we did 
last week when we broke into groups and we talked and we shared and we prayed for each one, each other. That's what love is like. Really, it means, Philip, as I said last week, it means a tender affection because you're born out of the same womb. You know, we have two families. I have my natural family. I have my God-given family. And in a sense, there's no hierarchy between those two. They're equally as important. You are related to me if you love Jesus. Sorry about that, but it's true. Right? I'm part of your family. You can't get rid of me. And you're part of my family. I can't get rid of you. Right? Not that I want to. But that's who we are in Christ. We're family together. And so the way we treat one another should be different to the way we treat people outside of God's family. The Bible is full of ways in which we need to show a particular kindness and love to one another because we're family together. The way you treat your natural family is different, isn't it, to the way you treat anybody else? Because they're family. And in the same way, the way we treat one another needs to be different because we're family. You come and ask me for something, I give it to you because you're family. You come and need something, I'll help you because you're family. You see how it's different? I can come to you because you're family. We can be confident and open with one another because we're family. We have that love. That's what love does. Fourthly, love honors. Honor one another above yourselves. What does it mean to honor? What does that mean? How do I honor Tim? Sorry, mate, they've got no ideas. How do we honor one another? What does it really mean to honor one another? Treat that person in the same way you want to be treated. Partly right. But you're at the top of the class because no one else has answered. <laughs> what does it mean to honor? To be respectful. Be respectful to one another and their needs. That's partly right too. Equal top of the class. Anybody? Lift them up. Top of the top of the class. Offering guidance if it's needed, that's part of it. So honor means, if I honor Tim, right, if we all honor Tim, what it really means is this. In the Greek, this is exactly what it means. It means we are in competition with one another to lift Tim highest. That's what it means to honor him. It means that John is in direct competition with me to outdo me to see how much he can lift Tim up, Right? That's really what it means to honor. So it's not, it's partly like doing what we want to happen to us, but it's actually more than that. It's not just doing to Tim what I want him to do to me, it's actually me just looking at Tim and trying to lift him up as high as possible. And each one of us doing the same thing to one another, and it's almost as if we're in a competition to see who can lift one another the highest. Not that there's any winners and losers, but you know what I mean in the heart. It's about us working, lift him up, lift him up, lift him up. And we need to, if we have the agape love of God within us, we need to 
lift one another up like that. As high as we can. Which means we need to think about it and plan about it and see how we can do it. Because it doesn't just happen naturally, does it? So think about when you speak. How many words do we speak that actually are pulling people down rather than lifting them up? Our speech and our action should be to lift and build. That's what it means to honor. That's number four. Number five. Okay, number five is about being enthusiastic. He's so enthusiastic, this young boy, to get baptized, he can't even wait for the whinging old preacher to finish, right? Preacher's going on about, oh, this guy has been waiting for such a long time, he's all right, we're going to baptize him in a few moments, and he just dunks himself under and goes, hey, I'm baptized. That's the kind of enthusiasm we need to have. Don't be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be enthusiastic. You know, real love can't wait to express itself. You know that when you're, when you're newly like together. Young love here. Right? How long have you been married? One year. And th- See, they still know. Down to the month. Right? That, that's what I'm talking about. Me, it's like, uh, just hang on. I, was, I got married in 19, like, oh. You know, after a while, you have to start using your marriage as your pin code just to remember it, right? That's, that's how you know. <laughs> right? So, enthusiasm. One, one year, three months. You knew. How many days? All right. See, that's, that's enthusiasm. Because you're still in love and it's like all bubbling. It's, I can't wait to express my love for you. We need to continue having that enthusiasm. Because love, love just wants to let people know. It, loves, it just wants to express it. And when we have the agape love of God inside of us, then we just can't help ourselves but want to share it with others. It's enthusiastic. Can't wait for other people to finish talking before we're out sharing the love of God. Because it's just there. We need to share it. Number six, we need to focus. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Joyful in hope because we have victory through Jesus Christ, because He's given us everything we need, because we know one day Jesus is going to return and sort all this mess out. Patient in our current challenges because we have the strength of God that will see us through. And we draw on that strength moment by moment through the Holy Spirit. And faithful in prayer because that keeps us close to the source of our strength and the source of our victory. Somebody said this, the Christian life should be chin up and knees down. You know, the Christian life should be like this, on your knees in prayer And looking upwards to where the strength is. That is how you live the Christian life. Chin up, knees down. That's what it's talking about. That's how we live our Christian life. That's where our focus needs to be. Next one. We need to be generous. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. If anyone has a need, that means we emotionally share. Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So we share together like we did last week. But it also means we materially share as well. If God has blessed you, 1 John 3, 17 and 18, if you've got 
If you see a brother in need, you have material blessings and you don't help them, how can the agape love of God be in you? That if we, God has blessed us with things and we can use them to encourage and help one another, then we need to do that. And so we need to be generous. We share with the Lord's people because we're family together and we're here to honor and to grow and to help one another. Number eight, practice hospitality. What's hospitality? Allowing people into your house. Kindness. Catering to people's needs. It's good. I was wondering what I was going to do for lunch. Awesome. Actually, hospitality means, it comes from philia again. But it means showing filia kind of love to a stranger. That's actually what it means. Filia is the kind of love we share together because we're family, right? But it's extending that. Hospitality is extending that same love to strangers, to people you don't know. That's what it means. So it means you see someone in need. Let me give you an example. And... The other day I was walking in Harrow. There was a guy standing there begging for money outside St. George's. said, have you got any change for something to eat? Have you got any change for something to eat? And I walked past him because I was busy and I had to go and do things. So I went into the bank and I did what I needed to do and I did all my other bits and pieces. And the Lord said to me, give him something to eat. I don't know who he was. So I went up to him and I said, you hungry? But then I wasn't sure whether he just wanted money or he was really hungry. So I said, are you hungry? Yes. I said, what do you want? He said, I want whatever it was in chopsticks. So I said, come with me then. So we went in the chopsticks. He got this massive bucket of water. And I said, you need a drink with that. So we had a drink with it. And I gave it to him. And I said, God bless you. And left. After I paid for it. That's hospitality. That's when God says to you, just do that. You don't have to then do anything else because God didn't say to do anything else. But just do those things. Be open to when the Spirit says, do something like that. Cost me £7.50. You know, and I would willingly spend that on myself buying a cup of coffee for myself and somewhere else. So why can't I spend it on someone I don't know showing hospitality and the love of God? It's not a big deal. I would spend that without thinking about it. But that's what it means to show hospitality. It's showing the love of God to a stranger. Why? Ephesians 2 says, while we were still strangers, God showed hospitality to you and me. That while we were far off and didn't know God, he called us and said, let me show you my love. And so we show it to others because he's first showed it to you and me. That's why we practice hospitality. Number nine, blessing. Bless those who persecute. Whoa, wait a minute. That can't be right, surely. Should be bless those who bless you, shouldn't it? Curse those who curse you. I think I mistyped it somewhere. No. Bless those who persecute you. 
Bless and do not curse. If you show love, if you show the agape kind of love to people, you're going to have opposition. You know that? Because love reveals. And some people want to hide in shadows. When you show love, you show up other people who are not showing love. Because they end up judging their actions by what they see in you. And other people around them will judge by what they see in you. It's one of the paradoxes about coming closer to God. I love to get closer to God, but the closer I get to God, the more sin I see in myself. The more I see that I'm not godly. And he reveals things to me, and I don't like him revealing things to me because he shows me things that I don't like in my life that he needs to deal with. But I want to get closer, but I want to hide. And when we show the agape kind of love, then what happens is that other people around you won't like it. Some will love it and be attracted to it, but others will run away from it. They'll, they'll want to persecute you. They'll want to make sure that you're not loving. They want to point their finger at you in some way and say, see, he's the same as we are. But we need to keep on blessing people. Why? Because what did Jesus do on the cross? Father, forgive them. He's hanging there, being nailed to the cross, and he's still showing agape love to you and me. Our sin put him there. And what is he saying? Forgive them. Not Father, curse them. Not Father, just do what we want to do with them because they deserve this. How can they crucify the Son of Man? Father, forgive them. So we bless even when we don't want to bless. Number 10. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Be empathetic. That means get involved in the ups and the downs of life's journey. Get alongside people. Rejoice when they rejoice. Mourn when they mourn. Get involved in people's lives. One of the problems today is that we're so isolated from one another. I mean, look around you. This is our family. Look around. Go on, stand up a minute and have a good look at one another. Go on, have a, have a stare, right? You know, you know when you're on the tube and you're kind of half looking at people and then they catch your eye because they're looking at you and it's that embarrassing moment? I'm not the only one who does that. Have a good look at them. If you want a closer look, you can walk around a bit. Go on, have a good look. Go stare in their faces. Come on. Look. You guys are too shy. You know that. Right. Now then. Answer me this question. How much of the people you've just looked at's journeys do you know? How much of their journey do you know? For some, maybe slightly more. For others, you don't even know their name. How can you be empathetic towards it? How can you rejoice when they're rejoicing and mourn when they're mourning if you don't even know them? How can you show the love of God to them if you don't know them? You can't. Now, we can't know everybody. Like, you can sit down. Sorry. You can't know everybody intimately, can you? It's just, 
we have life to live. But as I said, we need to, we need to know one another. You know, we should at least, everybody here that comes week after week, know one another's name. And then know a little bit about them. You know, Quabina's there, he's on the door every day, born on a Tuesday. Isn't that right? Is that right, Tuesday? See, that's what it means. He's there. Do you know where Quabina works? Do you know about Quabina's family? How many children has he got? Does he have any children? He's there with that bright smile every single time. Does your heart good when you come into church? Because you just see the love of God radiating through that broad smile of his. It's truth. You have such a gifting on the door, you don't even know it. But how, how much do you know about Kumina? You know, how much do you know about the people around us? We need to rejoice. Is there other things in Kumina's life that we should be rejoicing about right now? Other things in his life that we should be mourning about right now? Are there struggles in his life that we should be praying about right now? I'm just picking on you because you're snazzily dressed today, man. You know, we need to show empathy if we're going to show the love of God. Number 11, live in harmony with one another. That's not the hairspray. (laughs) Harmony really means that we pull in the same direction. That we're all united together in vision. That we're working for a common purpose. It's like in a tug of war. You know when you're in that tug of war? I was going to even demonstrate with a tug of war, but I decided against it. But you're heaving away together. That's harmony, right? All pulling together. It's like, you know when Luciano says, everybody clap, and we're all clapping. Everybody dance, everybody jump. That's harmony. We're doing things together. We're pulling together. We're encouraging one another in it. Live in harmony with your brothers and sisters. And lastly, be humble. Don't be proud. Be humble. Humble means that you treat everybody as God treats them. Don't judge other people. Don't put them into the box. You know, what was my first thought when I saw that guy standing out there asking for money? I'm not going to tell you because we're in church. If I give him money, what's he going to spend it on? How did he get here? You know, all these questions. That's not being humble. What would happen if somebody from the church saw me taking this guy in there? What might they think? Humility. You treat them as God would treat them. What would Jesus do in that situation? Because you know that guy? He's the same as me. Sinner before a holy God. He's the same as me, dearly loved by his heavenly Father. Loved so much that Jesus was willing to die for him. He's no different than me. Different circumstance, maybe. But before God, he's just as much a child and loved by God as I am. So I treat him the same way that God treats me. Twelve things that describe. Can we have the next screen? Here they are. Now, I want you to look at these 12. Sincere. This is what it means to love. 
Your love has to be, agape love has to be sincere. It's magnetic. It produces filia kind of love. It honors others. It's enthusiastic. It's focused. It's generous. It's hospitable. It blesses. It's empathetic. It journeys with. It's harmonious. It's humble. I want you to think, which do you find, actually share with someone really briefly, which do you find the easiest of those? Which, which one out of those? If you had to rate them in 1 to 12, which do you think would you go, you know what, I'm not bad at this one? Which would be your number one? Out of all of them, I'm not too bad here. This, this comes naturally to me. And which would be your bottom one? Which would be, my goodness, I really struggle with this. Why don't you share with someone right now? Just in twos or threes or fours or whatever, right? But just just where you are. Which would be the easiest for you? Because some of these we find easier than others. And which would be the most difficult? Some of them we find easy, don't we? Or easier... Some we find really hard. Let me ask you this question too. How easy do you find somebody showing this kind of love to you? Because sometimes, you know, we are so proud that we don't find it easy. We find it easier to give than to receive. I find it easier to show love. I find it easier to spend £7.50 for this guy than that guy coming to me and saying, hey, you look hungry, let me buy you lunch. No, 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 I'm absolutely fine. You don't need to buy me lunch. No, I'm, I'm cool, I've got money in my account. Thank you very much. Very nice kind of you, but no, thank you very much. Sometimes we find it easier to give than we find it to receive. And so we need to be open both ways. To give agape love, but to receive it too. You know, God, as I've, as I've looked at this list over the years, God is often working, His Holy Spirit is often working on at least one of these in my life at any one time. That's why this passage is so cool. You know, when I came into ministry, I'll tell you, I had virtually no empathy. It's true. I used to sit in the vestry. Well, it wasn't this one. It was the old vestry. People used to come in and share their problems. And in my head, I'm going, get a life. Like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Seriously. I'm just being honest with you. All right? (laughs) My wife, she has more empathy than, than, than she knows what to do with. Like God gave her all my empathy, I think. I don't know what happened. But I used to sit, I used to really struggle. I was like, I didn't say it to people, of course, because like, I'm a pastor, you're not supposed to say that, are you? But I used to really, really struggle. But you know what God's done? He said, David, you know, your number 12 is empathy. You need to grow in this. And over the years, he's taught me empathy. As I've opened myself up to him, as I've received the Spirit, what the Spirit's doing in my life. He's helped me to grow in empathy. Now I care more than I've ever cared before. Now when people share with me, I cry when they cry. I laugh when they laugh. I never used to be like that 15 years ago. 
See, you got it good when you come to see me now, right? But what happens is God will take these and he'll gradually mold you in them. Because each one of these is what Jesus has done for you and for me. This is the character of Jesus Christ. We are, we are what we are because he has shown this to us. When Jesus came to earth, this is what he did. He showed sincerity. He was open. He was genuine. That's why he was attractive to people. He, he hated evil. He loved good. He showed loving kindness to people around him. He honored others. He built one another up. He, what did he do to Peter who messed up? He said, feed my sheep. I'm going to place you in a higher place than you even were before. He was enthusiastic about everything. He, he was focused. He was generous in his time, in his emotions. He was generous in giving. He encouraged the stranger and he met with them and blessed them. He laughed. He cried at a funeral when family was crying. He laughed. He was empathetic. He was continually drawing people to that way of God in harmony. He was humble. He treated everybody the same. Look what he says in John's gospel. A new commandment I give thee that you agape one another. As I have agaped you, so you must agape one another. Why? By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you agape one another. How did the church first grow? It was full of agape. They didn't go out door to door. They didn't go witnessing on the streets. He says, as you're going, you're going to be making disciples. Why? Because love will just attract people. That's what we talked about last week. Love is attractive. And as we learn to love one another, as God has loved us, then you'll see the power of love at work in your life, in the life of people around you, and in the life of our community. We're going to sing again. Let's sing that. We want more. We want more of his spirit. Because loving as God loves us is not easy, is it? But it's what we're commanded to do. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for your love. Thank you that you loved the world. You loved me so much that you came. And you came and you showed your love to us. You lived love. That's why you had to come. One of the reasons you had to come. Because love can't be just spoken about. It has to be lived. Lord, I ask for my brothers and sisters and myself. That this week we would go and show love. To people around us. As we sing right now, we want more of your spirit. We want more of your spirit to give us boldness. We want more of your spirit to perform miracles in and through us this week. We want more of your spirit to be a, just to, to flood us with your love. That we can flood other people with all those characteristics of love this week. May people see us and see a difference in us.
because we are channels of the love of Christ. Lord, you've asked us to add, add to faith, goodness, goodness and soul. But above all, to add to it